you know, just being in this, uh, you know, setting and, you know, uh, all of a sudden, my spirit is getting so excited and one of the things that is coming very strongly in my heart is just as I look into the days to come from this conference, I can only say, Satan, you are in trouble. <laughs> Satan, you are in trouble. Yeah, because you see, we need to look into it from this angle that Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the enemy. And the church has been manifested to do exactly that. And being in a, I'm in a place where faith has been pumped, revelation has come forth regarding uh, the whole thing of pushing the gospel to the ends of the world, and just looking to as as we break tomorrow and get back into our respective places and cities and villages, I just see something, which is the kingdom of God is going to advance more than we've ever thought about, and we will give the devil trouble a lot, because we will see people born again. We will see the sick being healed. We will see the gospel being passed on to people that... Uh, are forgotten even from an African context. And as we come back, there will be the reason for all of us to celebrate. The news that will come out of this conference will be wonderful news. And I, I believe with all my heart that this conference, uh, it's that conference where in the years to come, we will be able to look and say, I'm grateful I was there. There is something significant about our gathering together. And even as I've been praying and seeking God, one of the things that has been coming to my heart uh, regarding Mike and the teams and all of you is uh, the Bible is saying, and Joseph prospered because God was with him. And I believe this is a, a very strong word for you as a movement, that it does not matter where you are, because this prosperity was, uh, he, he, he prospered in a place that you could not think he could prosper. He, he was in Egypt. And it does not matter which place you come from. I just sense in my heart that this is a movement God's delight is sitting upon. There is the favor of God upon you, my brothers and sisters. And I, I want to say, just like in the case of Joseph, you, Mike and the teams are leading people that will prosper. You will prosper in the things that God has put in your care. Uh, even as you push the gospel into the North Europe and other places that God will open doors for you, the, the prosperity of God is upon you. And therefore, you have joined the right people, you have joined the right leadership uh, that is going to, um, even as books of history will be looked upon in the years to come, uh, relational mission will be among the movements that served God's purposes for their time and you are able to serve the purpose of God to the very end. So, my brothers and sisters, just get to know something. The favor of God is upon you. The anointing of God is upon you as a movement to be able to do great things. In a short while, you'll allow me to be able to let you know that we will be broadcasting this uh, service to millions and millions of people in Africa. And therefore, I will call upon you as I make the introduction uh, that you brothers and sisters just go for it. Even, even as I begin to speak and you think Edward is off pitch, just put the smile and uh, get excited. So let's, let's, um, let's get excited because 
God has given us an opportunity to be able to uh, welcome millions and millions of people out in Africa to be able to enjoy the goodness of God that is being broadcast from this place. So I take this opportunity to say a big welcome, Africa. This is a miracle in the village, and we are so glad that this morning we are not broadcasting from the usual place. We are broadcasting from Norwich in the UK in a conference. Yes, yes. Praise the Lord. Let's go for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. As we will be speaking, you see numbers being flashed on your screen. Please do get in touch with us. We've got pastors across the Republic of Kenya, brothers and sisters that we know that can be able to help you in your faith in the Lord Jesus. And otherwise, it's a big welcome and the Lord bless you so much. Now, this morning, we're looking into uh, the subject that is so close to my heart because it's something that I've been able to see over the years. We've been privileged to be able to share the gospel for the last couple of decades with incredible, incredible, incredible results. And therefore, even as I come to speak to us about not being ashamed of the gospel, and uh, very correctly things have been said in this pl platform, and even among our sharings out there, that will be with us for the rest of our lives because we are living at a time when we are just about to see the excitement and the joy of the results of a gospel that is preached in accordance to the scriptures. And so we've been privileged to see, uh, you know, what the gospel is able to do. It does not matter which settings. It does not matter what type of a, a situation God has been able to bring us. We've been able to see incredible results as a result of the gospel. And therefore, I can be able to share with us here, as well as the millions that are watching us in Africa, that uh, it comes a moment when you've been able to see the results from something, you reach a point where you make a decision and say, I am no longer going to be ashamed about this thing because you can see the results. And therefore, even when Paul is talking about, in a short while I'll be able to read with us from the book of uh, Romans and other places that we shall quote, Paul is talking from that experience. He's been able to engage with various types of cultures and societies. And wherever he's going with the gospel, of the kingdom, there is something that is able to see. Uh, just to begin to give us a taste of what I want to share with us, I happen to be somebody who loves the gospel so much because my background is that of, I was, to begin with, I was a Catholic, and uh, my entry into salvation was massive. I was uh, dying with a heart condition, and uh, it, it was during the revival times in our country, 71, 78, there was a massive revival that swept our nation. And my younger sister had become a Christian, and uh, my parents had taken me to all various hospitals. We had sold almost everything to try and look for the cure of myself without forthcoming, and reached a point where one of the cardiologists, top, top cardiologists in the country, looked at me, I will never forget, at the tender age of about 18, and uh, simply said, we don't think there is much we can do, so the best thing is to remove you from Nairobi and take you back to your hometown, which is Meru. And of course, I knew what that meant. I knew this doctor is simply saying, as, as far as medic medical area is concerned, we've come to the end. They took me back home, and uh, I'll never forget because these revivals that were 
I mean, they were, it's like God was targeting young people in our time. I mean, there was a revival that was sweeping and was just targeting young people. And so, we, and they were happening in the homes and schools and colleges. So, I went home and my sister, this particular day, the, my condition worsened very badly. And my sister, this particular day, said to me, she said, uh, I, I, because it was a, there was a fellowship somewhere in the house, somewhere, breath, brethren were meeting, she said, can we go to this place? And so uh, I gathered my courage. Because a, long, a short distance of 15 minutes would take hours because of the condition that I was in. So we went to this home, and uh, I found a bunch of people, about 70 people. And what I saw, don't forget I said from a, a Catholic background, what I saw completely blew my mind because I found people that were so, so full of joy and um, it was my first time to be able to see people clapping their hands and dancing and really getting excited about their faith. And uh, at some point I reached and I, I'm just thinking, uh, could I be in the wrong place? Because, I mean, I'm just wondering, this is, I didn't know what my sister was inviting me to. Uh, the reason why I had to remain behind was because of my condition. I just, something told me, your sister is the one that is helping you to walk this long distance. So the best thing you can do is just hang around. So I sat there, and these people carried on praising Jesus and everything else until it reached a point where this preacher started to preach about heaven in a way I've never heard before. And what surprised me was he spoke with so much convic conviction about this heaven, and I could see his face shining because of the joy of eternity. And so, because the doctors had said to me, you don't have long to live, I'm just thinking, okay, it's not a bad deal to receive this Jesus and just die and go to this heaven. So, I was not getting saved to come and preach in Norwich. I was getting saved uh, just to quickly get to this heaven. So, I received Jesus. I mean, it was amazing. I just received Jesus. An amazing peace came into my heart and was fantastic. And then what happened is there was a lady in the meeting who knew about my condition. And uh, he simply said to the preacher, is it possible for us to pray for this young man? He has had a lot of problems for the last one and a half years. And I'm telling you, just in a short while as I began to share with her some of the things regarding why we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the, pre the, the prayer was not some of the, it was not the kind of a prayer I'm seeing today with some of the people who have gone out confusing this gospel. It was a very simple prayer. I stood there and they stretched their hands and this man was just standing beside me and they said something like, thou spirit of deformity, we rebuke you in Jesus, no shaking, nothing, nothing. And I'm telling you, at that particular moment, the power of God came upon my head and I could sense it all through. And by the time they said amen, I was healed completely. Totally. Completely healed. Wow. Whew. That was amazing. And the journey that had taken me three hours, I went home like a turbo charger. I was, I was blessed. I mean, I went home with this mighty miracle. So my entry into salvation was that, I mean, salvation, amazing healing. And what followed there, thereafter is what we have been hearing being blasted in this 
whole. It's just be a witness. I felt, I felt my beginning of ministry was not complicated. Was, I did not go to any Bible school. Jesus just told me, go and tell the world what I've done for you. And I'm telling you, I went to the marketplaces. I went to schools and colleges. And I saw people saved. I saw people being healed from hearing my testimony. Just telling people what Jesus has done. That was my first experience with this Jesus. And uh, one of the things I keep on telling my folk, even as we continue to see the expansion of the gospel and the various things that have happened with us, one of the things I tell people never to rob me is never deny me an opportunity to witness and share the love of Jesus Christ with anybody at any given opportunity. Just to take this story a little bit further, uh, we saw, like I said, we saw thousands born again as a result of my testimony because it was remarkable. I even saw some medics giving their hearts to the Lord, especially when I went back again to some of these hospitals to be able to check me, and they were able to say, we cannot believe this one, and I'm telling them, you can believe them, you can believe it, because you know me, you have seen me for uh, the last one and a half years, and it is the Lord who has given me this miracle. I saw some medical people give their life to the Lord Jesus as a result of my testimony. And I want to say this, as time went by, as time went by, God began to open opportunities for me, uh, just one of the opportunities that I'll, I'll live to remember is in 1986, Zimbabwe has just received its independence from Rhodesia to Zimbabwe. And uh, we felt the rest of the African countries, we wanted to love Zimbabwe. We wanted to love this new country that has just joined the African Union. And God gave me an opportunity. I left Frida with the young children and I flew to uh, Harare and God gave me an opportunity that showed me something about just being a witness. As I was in the, uh, waiting for the immigration officer to stamp my passport and give me permission to enter into Zimbabwe, we picked a conversation because the question was very simple. He looked to me, he had his, my passport in his hands, and I knew, because, because I mean, I knew this is the power, this is the man behind allowing me into Zimbabwe or closing me out. So it was a, because he, he was not very friendly. So uh, he asked me a question. Why are you in this country? And uh, I, I just told him, I said, I'm from Kenya. We've come to share the joy of your independence and uh, be able to give an opportunity to share the love of Jesus. And I, well, immediately I said that, I saw a reaction that shocked me because, uh, like I said, he was not very friendly. He looked to me and he started to laugh because he was Looking, he asked me a question. He said, wait a minute. Are you one of those Africans who have, uh, uh, who have been caught up by the black book? And I'm, what? Black book? <laughs> by this time, it is no longer a black book for me. It is a book that is changing lives in, Af- I mean, in Kenya and other parts of the world that I've already been to. So uh, we started to talk and uh, the conversation went on. I started to share my uh, testimony with this person, and we are drawing attention of the other people that have arrived with us in the plane. And what I will never forget is, as I'm giving my witness and sharing the love of Jesus with the immigration officer in this country of Zimbabwe, I started to see this man whose attitude was wrong started to beam up. And I'm just thinking to myself, yes, carry on, Edward. This is an opening. I just carried on sharing the testimony. And wait a minute, 
Finally, he reaches a point where he's asking me a question, what shall I do to know this Jesus? It was amazing. And right in the hall, when everybody is watching, I am leading the immigration officer to the love of Jesus. He's getting saved. Wow. And I am just telling myself, if this is what is awaiting me in this country, I will have fun. If, if, if an immigration officer can be able to give his life in the presence of every, everybody, I'm going to have a lot of fun. Another story is we are flying with Frida from Amsterdam to Norway, a place called Stavanger. And uh, we're just, again, it's in the 80s. We're just seated in this little plane, and uh, I mean, everybody's, you know, uh, you, you don't just pick conversation with people that you don't know. Everybody is busy either reading their newspaper or something. And all of a sudden, where I was seated, uh, there was an, uh, a man who was elderly, he should have been in his late 70s, seated on my, on my left side. And we kept on almost like playing seek and hide game because uh, I would look to his side and he would pretend busy. And he looks to my side, I pretend to be busy. But at some point, our eyes met and we could only smile to each other. It was amazing. And there was that smile and then all of a sudden, we picked a conversation. He was a very rich uh, businessman from uh, Georgia. And we picked a conversation, and he was, uh, uh, you know, talking to me. And the conversation went on, and we reached a point where all of a sudden, he asked me a question, why are you going to uh, the Scandinavia? I, I, I just said, I'm just uh, going to uh, meet some Christian friends, and we finished there. And I asked him, what about you? The answer he gave me was very strange. He said, I am running away. I'm not going to use his exact words. But he said, I am just trying to run away from something. And I said, what is that something? And he says, I just fear death. So I'm running away. I'm trying to see how can I run away from death. So I looked to him and I said, because by this particular time, the pilot has just said, we have gained our cruising altitude of, I think, 44,000 feet. So I looked at this guy and I'm just thinking, you are running death using the quickest way of dying. Because if anything were to happen happier, you die very fast. So you're using the wrong thing to run away from death. So anyway, God created an opportunity through which I was able to share the gospel with this man in his old age. And I said, can I help you? And he said, I could see the excitement because maybe he's thinking, here comes this black African who has got the way of, of, uh, uh, of beating death or cheating death. So he opened up and he said, yes, please help me. And the help I gave him was amazing because I looked at him and I said, my friend, whether you like it or not, you'll die. He didn't like that. <laughs> he didn't like that. He didn't like that. He did not like that. And then what happened is, uh, but that became an opening for me to be able to share the love of Jesus. We carried on, and what a beauty I'll never forget. Just before we landed in Stavanga, this man says, lead me to this your Jesus. I prayed with this man from Georgia, opened up his heart to the Lord Jesus. He received Christ, but then what I followed thereafter was he said something that I'll never forget. He said, 
Why did I not get somebody to tell me what you have told me when I was in my 20s? I want to say this, brothers and sisters. We must not be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. We must never be ashamed of the gospel because it is the only avenue through which God is able to bring his love to his people. These are some of the small, small testimonies that I've picked along the way in my years of ministry and what we've been able to see and the reason why we can be able to stand today. At the moment, we are in the season, Fred and myself, we're in the season where we are virtually coming across people that we have led to the Lord all over the world. We're getting people in this country uh, who are studying, students, that we brought the Lord Jesus many years back. I want to say that we are, we've got to know that every given op opportunity that comes our way, it is an opportunity that we need to explore so that we can be able to pass on the love of Jesus Christ to the people. It is an opportunity for us to be able to share the gospel and the good news of the kingdom. So Paul is saying something that I would like to bring to our attention when he's talking about uh, sharing the gospel. And I want to say this, we are not spreading the gospel as we should because of the worldly system, cultures, and policies that have intimidated us. We are living, and these are the real things. And I, I do not want to speak the way I'm speaking and be ignorant regarding some of the situations that you people come from. I'm aware how many policies that are coming in place, some of the governments that we have in Europe and the Western world, the many things that have come that uh, immediately you've got to be conscious about uh, how are you presenting the gospel. But I want to say that we've been intimidated and we, have, we are always conscious of what will he or she say if I begin to open myself and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Yet, I want to say, even with that reality, the background and you people facing what we don't face in some of our African countries, I want to say that yet in the same way, the gospel we are ashamed of remains the only way through which God can be able to bring people into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is, there is no any other way through which God will be able to bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It must be through the gospel. And I will be able to share with us uh, in a short while some of the things that we've been able to pick as uh, uh, when Paul is talking about this gospel or when Jesus reaches a point Point and he says that, and this gospel of the kingdom, I, I ended up looking into the gospel as a package, as a package that believers have been given that we need to pass it on to the others. This, the gospel, we should not be ashamed of the gospel because it is both good news, but also the power of God to a lost, broken, and sick world. The world is eagerly waiting for good news as bad news continues to break and broken world that is already broken. We are, we, we are giving a lot of, I mean, the other day when Mike was speaking and is uh, uh, having this cutting from the news, um, I think it's Herald and the, your newspaper. And I'm just thinking, why should I wait for Daily Nation in Kenya to come and tell me what I should be doing? Why, why are we allowing, why should we allow the world to begin to tell us, come on, you people are quiet. You, you're, you're not doing what you should be doing. I really want to pray that the impartation that is taking place in this conference will not keep you silent. You will leave this place and you're going to do something about the gospel. 
you're going to do something about the sharing of the good news because it is both good news but also the power of God that worketh to save a lost and a broken world. None of us will remain the same. And that is why I really feel blessed to be part of this great congregation that we will look in the years to come. And uh, I'm getting so excited because my spirit has been overjoyed by the, the gospel for a broken world because I love the gospel. I mean, I, I just want to keep preaching the gospel until the day the Lord calls me home. This is, this is the thing that makes Edward to come alive, is sharing the gospel. Because it was the gospel that brought me healing, it was the gospel that brought me salvation. And therefore, I want to share it in whichever context that God gives me. And therefore, brothers and sisters, we have come, we are converging at Norwich at this moment in time. And we will look back because I can see from here there will be a spillover even into other new frontiers uh, spheres of a desire to communicate the gospel more than we have ever done before. We need to know the gospel is good news. We should not be ashamed of the gospel because it is the mandate of our fulfilling the Great Commission. We've got to know that even as we do that, by the way, we are getting into fulfilling the mandate that Christ has given us. But let's open our Bibles together in the book of Romans chapter number one. And uh, let us see this man who once was a sinner, chief sinner, once a persecutor of the church, encountered the grace of God along the way to Damascus, the change that took place in his life, and how this man became a vehicle, like Jesus told him that particular day, that you're going to carry the gospel to different parts of the society. He says this, and I believe this statement, I'm obligated. We are obligated. We are obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. I put my own italics, the rich and the poor. We've got an obligation to make sure that we bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to everybody. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to the last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. There is Paul making an argument, just like Edward is making an argument this morning in this country of UK. That uh, we are obligated, we are the result of the gospel. And I, one of the prophetic words that has come to us is that about the lepers, they could not keep the good news. The good news is to be shared. The good news, the, the reason why people are believing in the bad news is because good news is missing. And we need to be provoked so that we can know that this thing that we are trying to um, become so civilized about and looking for everything that we need to uh, uh, so that it looks relevant and everything else. Wait a minute. We are just called upon to be witnesses, to just be able to share and let this person that is depressed, once upon a time you used to have depression, you met Jesus and Jesus gave you the difference. One time you are a sinner and now you're no longer a sinner because of what Jesus has done. So Paul is saying, I am obligated. And I want to say that every one of us here, as witnesses for, of Jesus Christ, we are obligated. It is something we cannot be able to jump. 
It is not something we can be able to give to anybody else. This can only be carried out by everyone of us that is hearing us here. I would want to consider the background when we think about just some of the things, the testimonies that I've given you. We've got so many testimonies. The other night again it was Mike, I think, telling us a little, a, tes a testimony about what's happening in the Far East. That these brothers are prepared to be persecuted. They're prepared to go to the prison if only materialism does not come their way so that they miss the purpose of their calling in Jesus. We, we need to know that it does not matter. Sometimes we are looking for uh, environments that are conducive. We're looking for environments to be able to present themselves so that we can, we can feel safe as we share the gospel. But uh, you'll be surprised to see when you think about the early believers and you think of the early apostles, you will notice that their environment was not that good. That, it was not that conducive. I mean, some people like Paul, they came into salvation and immediately uh, prophesied about trouble uh, awaiting them. But they're prepared to share the gospel irrespective of the challenges that would come their way. I would want us to consider the background at which the early church and, post and believers preached the gospel after the day of Pentecost. For example, I would like to say that I would suggest to us that they preached to a very hostile environment. It wasn't, if you look into Acts and other uh, epistles, you'll find that the, the environment was not as conducive as we would want. Uh, the, the environment, again, was very hostile. They preached to a, the very people who had killed Jesus. You can imagine how difficult that is. You're preaching to people, the same people who have just killed Jesus, the same people who condemned him, uh, and you stand before them to preach the same Jesus to them. They preached to, a, to people from different cultures, yet they were determined to see response from their preaching. I want to say this, brothers and sisters, when we look into Mark chapter number 16 and 15, the word of God is clear. The reason why these brothers are doing, paying the price of not waiting for the right environment, but making sure that they engage with whatever circumstance that is ahead of them, they engage with whatever uh, culture that presents itself with the gospel is because they're remembering these words. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We are seated here and my heart is excited because I can see uh, the ripple effect, effect from this. There will be people who will find themselves in places they never dreamt about. God has given us the mandate and a calling, brothers and sisters, to go with the gospel of, the, of Jesus Christ to all the world. Go and preach the gospel to all the creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink, they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken these words, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord walked with them and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied. Let me suggest four things that I feel are very important. I want to say in 2016, 2017, 2018, the gospel remains the heartbeat of God. 
We need to know that. There is a, no way we, we can be able to think about the gospel in, in, in other terms. It remains the thing that makes the heart of God to pump. But I also want to say, number two, the sharing of the gospel is the greatest commission for the believer and the church. This is a, the, immediately you come in just like you had my testimony. You are not exempted. You don't have to wait and say, I mean, we've got to become like the Samaritan woman. She, she is just out there telling the people uh, what has just happened. I was this, now I'm this. And this is a, the gospel. The gospel is the, the testimony that we carry about what the Lord has done for us and is doing for us. Number, four, number three, the church and the believer exists for sharing the gospel. We are here. Number one is not anything else. It's just to share the gospel. And I, I really would want to pray, even as I stand on this platform this morning, to be able to ask all of us, brothers and sisters, let us not get complicated about this. Let's not get complicated. Let's just take it as it is and share the gospel because that is where the power of God is and that is what is missing to be able to see our societies and our cultures changing. Number four, the gospel remains yesterday, today, and forever the power of God. And I really want to just to try and help us narrow down to some of the things that I feel are very, because like I said, you find that uh, we, I come from a, a situation where I see, I was, in fact, when I was looking, I saw like uh, I would look to the gospel in this way. There is a, like Paul would say in Galatia, he says that uh, uh, when he's, if he noticed that some people were missing the way, he says a gospel, a different gospel. And I, I really want to say that I, I come from a situation where I see the increase of that a different gospel. A gospel that does not have the things that we are about to share with, with us this morning. And we need to know that. There is a deception has gone out. There is a lot that is happening behind the name gospel. And especially when it comes to, and that is the reason why for 20 years we've been able to broadcast to millions and millions. And uh, God has given us the grace to have a TV program with a difference. A TV program that is not about Edward Buria. A TV program that is about the church of Jesus, the gospel, but also different gifts being allowed to speak through the TV. I, I, I get excited when I say that because for the last 20 years, we've never borrowed people money, not once. And this, this is a, a different gospel, and it's a gospel, and a gospel that is lifting up this man of God and, uh, until it's like he's being idolized. So Paul is saying, he's calling a different gospel. But I, I want to speak about two different gospels, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ and this gospel. The gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is about Jesus himself, but out of his life and out of his ministry, he has been able to give us this gospel, this gospel of the kingdom. So I will not dwell so much on a different gospel because unfortunately there is not much good thing to be able to talk about that other different gospel, which has gone out causing mass, massive destruction and cheat and deception. So Paul is saying here, and uh, or Jesus is quoting in the book of Matthew 24, 14, and this was mentioned by uh, Tom Shaw the other night when he was sharing with us. And this gospel of the kingdom, 
I think there is a need for us to, uh, to begin to ask, what is this gospel? Because again, time and again, you'll find Paul is using the same terminology, this gospel. I believe with all my heart, it is a, this gospel is a, as a result of the gospel. The gospel is about the man Jesus. The gospel is about this man, this main actor in this gospel. His name is Jesus. That's the gospel. But out of his life and his ministry and his teaching, he has given the church this gospel. Says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. Paul is also saying something very important. He's saying, and this is very important even for the preachers and apostles and everybody else who is, who is very interested in titles and everything else. Paul, one of the, his biggest thing in serving Jesus is what we see in, one, in one, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 11. He says, and for of this gospel, again, the same gospel that I want to share with us, of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. So before apostle, before a teacher, before, before a pastor, we are carriers of this gospel. Now, the question to ask when it comes to that point, I've said and I have mentioned uh, that the gospel is about the man Jesus. Here we are hearing the terminologies of this gospel, this gospel. I started to ask myself, by the way, what is this gospel that is being told, and this gospel shall be preached to all the nations of the world, given an opportunity to every person and every creation, and then shall the end come? And this gospel... Paul is saying, I was appointed a, 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 an apostle, a teacher, and a preacher. I would want to suggest the following as part of this gospel. Number one, it is the, this gospel that has Jesus as the main actor or center of interest. This is the gospel. And I really want to say that the reason why um, I am getting the only thing that can make me to feel ashamed, even to associate myself I will feel ashamed to associate myself with a different gospel. It does not matter it's coming from who. If it's a gospel that is not revealing and putting Jesus in the mix and the center of interest, that is another gospel. And we need to, when we talk about this gospel of the kingdom, I was appointed an apostle of this gospel. It is number one, it is the gospel that has Jesus as the main actor. Or the center of interest. Number two, it is this gospel that uses all means possible to show or share his love. This is the gospel it's talking about. That we are, we're going to use every means that God gives us to be able to share the love of Jesus. That is the, this, is, this, is the, this, is, this is the gospel. It is this gospel that we have been appointed. It is, this is the gospel why relation mission is there. Uh, in existence is to be able to bring out this gospel that uses every means possible to share and show the love of Christ to people. But number three, it is this gospel of signs and wonders and miracles. Uh, there's been a mention here. Paul is saying time and again, when I came to you, I'd not come to you with empty words. I'd not come to you with words of wisdom. But I came with the power of the Spirit and demonstration of signs and wonders. 
We need to be crying to God. That, that, there is something powerful that is, I see everywhere we go. I see it when I go to Mombasa and other parts of the Republic of Kenya, when we engage with the enriched people groups and we pray for the sick. Oh my goodness, that changes the dimension. It changes the dynamics in the house. So Paul is saying, and even when Jesus is giving the instructions about going toward the world, he's telling them, this gospel will produce signs and wonders. This gospel will reveal the power of God wherever you go. So people are waiting. And when I say that, we are so grateful because of medical science and everything else. But brothers and sisters, there is nothing can compare. I remember one particular time, I just come from the, I was in, in the presence of God and I spent some nine days praying and we went to this little church and there was a lady who had twisted uh, elbow, t- twisted uh, the joints of her um, pelvis. And God was with me mightily. I, Frida was there. I laid my hands to this lady. And Frida tells me she can never forget hearing the bones rattling as the power of God was sorting out that lady. She was on the spot healed. This is what I'm talking about. That the gospel is a gospel of signs, wonders, and miracles. But the other one, it, it is the gospel that preaches repentance and forgiveness of sins. I love it when Peter is engaging immediately after the day of Pentecost and is engaging, like we said again, engaging with the same people who had killed Jesus and uh, reaches a point where the Bible says, and there were peers in their hearts. And uh, they are asking and they are crying out like the uh, Zimbabwean uh, 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 guy at the airport. What shall I do? And Peter says, repent. This is the gospel, friends. It's a gospel that gives people an opportunity to have their sins forgiven. It is a gospel that tells somebody, it does not matter what you've done, it does not matter how deep you've gone into sin, there is repentance and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. It is the gospel. The other one, it's the gospel that calls people to faith and obedience to God. I love it. Time and again, as you look into the scriptures, what are you seeing? It's obedience, faith, obedience. And this gospel, friends, is an amazing gospel because this package has been packaged well that people are given an opportunity. And this, I want to say this, it does not matter how much it will take. We must make sure that our churches hear the gospel time and again because it's calling people to faith and calling people to obedience. We're living... Uh, in different time zones, living in different uh, societies, and the possibilities are there for us to do what? To uh, get hooked up into the wrong things. But the gospel comes there and reminds us of our faith in Jesus and obedience to God. It's the gospel that calls people and calls us to faith, hallelujah, and obedience to God. But also, it is the gospel of grace, it is the gospel of grace. I, I feel so desperate every time I think about my continent. I, we, we are so grateful because of the missionaries that give their hearts and their lives to come and bring the gospel to us. Unfortunately, alongside a lot of legalism found its way in our continent. And one of our biggest battles is being able to open the eyes of the continent to the message of grace. You know what? Paul is using this language time and again. The gospel of grace. The gospel of grace. There is a need for us to make sure 
that even where we're calling people to disciplines and we're calling people to Christian disciplines, it is not a, a, a replacement of God's grace. We are saved by grace, we are kept by grace, and we'll see Jesus by the same grace. The gospel of grace. It is this, the gospel that is culturally sensitive and relevant. We don't want to imagine that you can see what is happening with Paul. Paul is engaging with different cultures. He goes to Athens. He, are, he realizes what is prevalent there, and he looks to um, an opportunity, grabs that opportunity, and presents the gospel. We want to be very sensitive to different cultures. We don't want to... Uh, we had a situation which was a, a bit unfortunate many years back. We received somebody from this country. I think they were coming to do some missions. And uh, unfortunately, there was no orientation of this other different culture. And these young people just came to our setting, and it was UK continua. It was a continuation of the life in UK. It was becoming, instead of becoming a blessing, unfortunately, it started to block the way. We don't want that. We want to be sensitive to the cultures because God is a God of all cultures. Just like he's a God of all races. He's a God, he's a God of all types of people around the world. They belong to him. And it's important for us to be guided by that. It is that gospel that becomes good news to the poor. I don't know how much I can be able to emphasize this. But uh, Frida and myself and the teams that come from Kenya, we know how much just being able to engage and involve ourselves with the various crises that have come to us. In fact, we've reached a point where we no longer complain about the various problems we, we face. Because we have been able to know that every given crisis that comes our way is an opportunity for the gospel. And we've seen churches, we've seen thousands of people born again. We are now, at the moment, the churches that are part of us, I cannot be able to tell you the number because... They are just being planted from regions that we have set that are doing good. In fact, at the moment, because of the goodness of God upon us as a movement, we are thinking about uh, having spheres within our, our own movement. Because we've got hundreds and hundreds of churches. And some of them have come as a result of presenting the good news to the poor. Making somebody, you know, like Frida was saying, I think it was yesterday, she said something very important during the seminar that uh, we, we need to know that when you're, when you're dealing with some of these communities that are starving, these communities that have got challenged, they're challenged in almost every direction. When you give them the provision, they say this is a good God. They understand God, the God who has given them bread. And when it is this gospel that empowers its followers, we we believe in that. We believe in this package as we present this gospel of the kingdom that is being mentioned here, that we give our people an opportunity to be empowered. We are dealing with situations where people, are, like again I said, coming from poverty and coming from marginalization and everything else, the gospel becomes good news because it gives them the opportunity of being empowered. But finally, on this package of this kind of a gospel I'm talking about, it is this gospel that points us to the soon coming Jesus. Brothers and sisters, that, that is the ultimate of everything. I, am, I, have, I normally tell people, God has allowed me to see so much. I have seen thousands of people. I've called people into a stadium and they have flooded the stadium. I've seen cripples walk in my meetings. I've seen the deaf. 
hearing and the blind seeing and you name it. And many other things. But one thing I'm waiting for, it's the second coming of Jesus. This is the greatest thing. And this is part of this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all people and then shall the end come. Paul, knowing the position of the gospel in every given situation, says, this is why Paul is saying, I was not ashamed of the gospel. And I really want to say, brothers and sisters, the stuff that we have received here, not only has it been able to open our eyes to the bigger picture regarding the preaching of the gospel and presentation of the gospel, but I believe with all my heart, it's building our confidence so that we can reach a point even in a culture like the one that you people find yourselves in, this, uh, in the West, you can still be able to say like Paul, I am not ashamed of this gospel. For your own sake and for the sake of the people you're trying to reach. Paul says, I am not ashamed of this gospel because it is the, it is the power of God. In his, Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the kingdom in his own life and sharing it with everybody else. The gospel is the avenue through which God's power is revealed and manifested. I repeat again, that's the sharing of the gospel. Like I gave you as I was sharing my testimony of my early days in the 80s. Became a Christian at the age of about 18. And walking with God in those tender moments of my early age. And just sharing my testimony and seeing amazing results. The gospel is the avenue through which God's power is revealed and manifested. The gospel communicates the love, mercy, and grace of God. The gospel is the only hope for a broken world. That is, brothers and sisters, we will not just settle at what science and scientists are doing. We praise God for them. I mean, I, I mean it's amazing to imagine on Tuesday, we will be boarding a plane and within seven hours, I'll be in Kenya. That's amazing. And it's part of modern science. But let me tell you something. It is possible to have the very best that has been produced as a result of deep thinking and wonderful science, but it's not the hope. The only hope, it's the gospel. Because the gospel deals with us here and gives us assurance after this life. The world needs the gospel. I really want to say the world is in their need of the gospel. And I do not want to imagine anybody seated here after we finish the conference tomorrow and we get back to our places. I don't want to imagine anybody not doing something about what you have heard. The impartation that we have received is to make us to act. It is therefore, I want to say this, the gospel is the only hope to a broken world. And therefore, as I come to the conclusion, I would like to say it is therefore a commodity of utter importance and urgency. If there was any other time the world needed the gospel is now. If there is a, I was so blessed when Steph stood up here and just getting provoked from what's happening here and saying after we finish let's meet and this is what we're looking for. We've got, we've got, let us grab the opportunity as it comes. Let us ask even before we leave here, what is it can we be able to do about our neighborhoods? What is it that can we be able to do? I am telling you I'm so fired up. And I want to say even now, as I go back to Africa, the devil is in trouble. Because I am, I'm, I'm feeling, wait a minute, 
I was, the son of man was manifested to destroy the works of the enemy. The church has been manifested to destroy the works of the enemy. But not only that, we have been given this great commission of go ye and preach the gospel. And signs and wonders will follow you. So the devil is in trouble because a number of thousands of people will get to know Jesus. They will, he will have to let go as people get to know Jesus. And a number of people will be healed because of the testimonies and the power that we carry. It is therefore, the gospel is therefore a commodity of utter importance and urgency. We need to pay the price of taking the gospel to everywhere they are. And in the language they can understand so as to respond to the gospel. Let us put our efforts into making sure that when we communicate the love of Jesus, it is in a way that people can be able to understand. We, we are taking time and investment. This morning, we shall be giving our money towards the advancement of the work of the gospel. Let us arise to the occasion. Let us support the, the spreading of the good news to the ends of the world. Let us, let us stamp our authority as a movement and say, yes, as others are doing it, relational mission is also doing it. We're spreading the gospel. We have every avenue that God is giving us. We are spreading the gospel. We need to pay the price of taking the gospel to everywhere we, wherever they are, in their language, they can hear and understand and respond. I remember many years back, it should have been in the, uh, in the 90s, we were gathered in Cape Town during Simon Petit's era. And I made a statement which Lex took on board and ever since it's become very prominent, even in my own country. I said the gospel is very expensive. We've got to see it that way and we must pay the price. I'm not going to elaborate more than that because you are hearing my heart this morning. I also want to say this, the gospel calls and demands for our obedience. Brothers and sisters, as we gather here, we've got many people that are dying every given second. Many people are dying in Africa without an opportunity of hearing the gospel. We've got people being persecuted like we've, we heard yesterday uh, uh, in the Far East. Let us hear that voice of the Spirit calling upon us to be able to do something, the little thing that we're able to do to make sure that the gospel is advancing. This gospel calls and demands for our obedience. This gospel calls and demands our sacrifice. We became Christians because somebody sacrificed. I'm so grateful because of the people that brought the good news of Jesus Christ in my continent. Some of them never came back alive. They came back into the country of origin in a coffin. We owe them a lot. And I wanna, we want to play our part in our, our, this given time so that the sacrifice we give, we can be able in 20 years, 30 years to come, other people can be able to say like I've just said, thank you very much because of your sacrifice that was able to translate into my conversion. The gospel calls and demands for our money and resources. Brothers and sisters, I know we are living in the world of consumerism and materialism. But time has come for us to be able to know the place to invest is where no more the thief can be able to get there. And it is in the gospel. I want to say this day, relational mission is a good soil. Let us plant in this soil. 
It's going to germinate. It's going to go to the ends of the world. And we're going to hear many people saying, because of relational mission, I came to know Jesus. I want to finish by making this appeal to us, brothers and sisters. Let us take the gospel to the ends of the world. Let us, let us know that the gospel is the hope for the broken family. People that are committing suicide, they need to hear the gospel. That gospel can change that person from that decision they're about to take. That sick person somewhere can get healed. Medicine has not worked. They can get healed because of the gospel. Call upon us, brothers and sisters. Let us arise from this place and go out in the form of the Holy Spirit and engage with the societies that we come from, giving them an opportunity to hear the love of Jesus. I finish by reading the same portion of scripture again. Paul is saying, we are not, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks. We are obligated, brothers and sisters. There's an obligation. You've known Jesus. There's an obligation. I'm obligated to Greeks and to non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel. Let us be eager to preach the gospel. Let us be eager to share the gospel. To share the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed. Brothers and sisters, let us remove all these limitations that make us not share the gospel. Let's become like Paul. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. This is the day to respond to saying, Lord, I don't want to be ashamed anymore. I, I want to, you give me an opportunity, I'm going to grab it, Lord. You give me an opportunity, whether it's to do with one-to-one, one, one one, whether it's to do from house-to-house, house, whether it's to do from uh, marketplaces and the many places that have been mentioned, Lord, I'm going to take the gospel to the ends of the world. Let's stand on our feet as we ask the band to come. And uh, I, I want, uh, to, uh, if, if uh, the band could be able to sing a song with us, the song that be thou... Yes, please. Let's, Jesus is the center of interest. Jesus is our reason why we want to go and pre preach the gospel and share the love of Jesus. But let's stretch our hands to the Lord as we respond to this. Father, we thank you because of the opportunity that you've given us to be able to hear how and why we should not be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation. It is the power that breaks other powers. It's the power that defeats the enemy. It's the power that gives hope where there was no hope. And Lord Jesus, even as we finish this conference in the next few hours, oh God, and we begin to go back to our homes, I pray, oh Lord, help us to go out there with a burning heart like that of John the Baptist to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to share the love of God with everyone that you bring our way. Help us, Lord, and give us the courage in Jesus' name. Amen.